Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, outreach of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. Oh, my adoring fans. Get ready for a huge dose of reality and a huge dose of common sense. You said it, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, the things that are going on in our world right now, even in our own country, in our own states, whether whatever state you live in, and your own city, these are the types of things that make or break people. These are the types of things that, uh, well, maybe history will be what reveals it, of course, but these are the types of things that causes great men and great w- women to truly rise to the top and really let the world know who they are actually are because there's so many crazy things going on out there and sometimes if you look at the news or just you don't even have to look at the news you just drive around town and you see the homelessness and you and the crime and uh all all these things that are going on and then you turn on the news and it's even worse yeah these are the things that really make i shouldn't say they make great people because great people already have it within them it reveals the greatness in people or it reveals the wickedness in some and sometimes the lethargy in in others. And what I mean is, depending on what you do with what's going on in the world, will really kind of set the precedent. And let me me ask you this. I'm on this train of thought. Imagine uh, 50 years from now, regardless of how old you are, 50 years from now, they're going to do an expose on your life. What you stood for, who you are as a human being, what you've accomplished, what you didn't accomplish, all of that. What would they write about you? Now, if you're young, if you're young and you've got your whole life ahead of you, um, you still have time to make that decision about what's going to be written about you. If you're a little on the older side and you know that while well, you don't have 50 years on this earth left then pretty much it's already set in stone so what are they going to write about you what are the historians going to write about you but regardless if you have breath in your body do you realize that you still have time to create a legacy if you will so it's not that we won't create a legacy or leave a legacy it's the question is what legacy are we leaving Let's let's put it in money because every one of us understands money. What type of inheritance are going to live leave behind you for your children or your grandchildren? Okay, I mean, um, imagine you know you look at your bank account right now and you realize I got fifty cents. That's all I'm leaving them. Well, that's not very good. You know, work on creating some wealth. And I'm just talking about finances, but that could be anything. That same principle can work into anything. So you, the Bible tells us that a good man, ladies and gentlemen, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So if you're a good man or a good woman in that sense, but a good person is going to work to leave an inheritance to his or her grandchildren. And when I say an inheritance, I'm not talking about some broken down Buick. I'm talking about a real world inheritance. And that's what good people do. So let's take it out of the realm of money for just a moment. What inheritance, what are you leaving behind for your children, your grandchildren, or for the community and the world around you? I want you to think about that for just a minute because it's unfortunate that a lot of people just don't think about those things. I remember some years ago preaching a message, and in that message that I, that I would teach, a sermon, if you will, um, 
I, I made the statement, and not just made the statement, but I pushed this idea, this concept. Live for your funeral. Okay, I want to say that again. Live for your funeral. In other words, what are they going to say about you? What are they going to write about you? Um, it was really sad and unfortunate, but we just recently lost somebody that was dear to us, Pastor Jim Hickman. He was killed. To, uh, you know, his life was taken by a drunk driver. And he had touched so many people in his life um, that we had to go get a bigger building because our church wouldn't hold all the people that would come to the funeral. So we went out and found a, another church that allowed us to use their sanctuary. They, they were really gracious and kind to do that. And <clears throat> there was a lot of people there. Everybody came. There were so many people saying positive things about Pastor Jim and the impact that he made and the funny stories because he was just a character, a great guy all the way around. But all the great stories that he had from his um, uh, bosses that he had worked with, co-workers that he had worked with, people in the church world, the ministry world, uh, all of that. There was people phoning in. We even had one of uh, our dear friends, uh, Rion Delange from uh, uh, Grunstad, South Africa. He wasn't able to fly in, he and, he and his wife, because it was just, you know, everything happened so quick, he couldn't get here. But there was a video message of about, I don't know, two and a half minutes long two minutes, two and a half minutes long from, from South Africa because he had made such an impact on those that even came in from out of out of country. And I don't know if he ever really thought of it this way, except when I was preaching on it, of course, but he, in a very real way, was living for his funeral. And what I mean by that was living in such a way that when he did leave this earth, people had something positive to say about him. And he and he is desperately missed as well because of how many people he touched and how many people he well, got into their heart and their heart got into him. And then when he was taken away from us, it truly was a breaking of our hearts because he was that kind of guy. He was just a solid, just a, like I said, he was a character. Um, and I mean that in a, in a uh, kind and a positive way. He was fun to be around. He was a hard worker phenomenal man all the way around. And he left a legacy. Whether he was actually living every day purposely for that legacy, he still left a legacy. So I want to ask you, what's the legacy you're going to leave behind you? You know, um, what are people going to say about you? What could a historian write about you? Are they going to write, um, you know, Jojo, I'm assuming your name is Jojo for just a moment. Well, your name is Jojo for just a moment, just to make this point. So Jojo was lazy, didn't want to take responsibility, was a couch potato, and really didn't affect too many lives in a positive manner. But he always had a smile on his face. That, unfortunately, could be written about so many people. And that person or those people that that can be written about, well, there's not much of a legacy. That is their legacy. That's what they're leaving behind them. That's part of their inheritance that they leave to their children or their grandchildren. And the, and the and the generations to come. That's what people in the community would know about them if the people in the community knew them at all. Okay, then, you know, I'll redeem Jojo. Could it be written about you if your name was Jojo? Jojo was a community-minded person, always had a smile on their face, always built people up, worked hard, took responsibility, um, worked tirelessly to help other people and build other people up and change his community and the culture around him. Could that be written about you? I would hope so. Or let's put another one, okay? Um, 
Now, I'm going to pick on JoJo again. Imagine for just a moment, you're JoJo for just a moment. And uh, I'm not saying this is actually being spoken about you or could be. I'm putting you in these positions so you can at least think about these things. You know, JoJo was a wicked man, a pervert. JoJo was a racist. JoJo would yell at people and use racial slurs constantly. JoJo never gave to any kind of charity never volunteered for any kind of charity. Jojo was mean, he was nasty, and did terrible things to people. Now, again, I'm just being very general in these areas, but I want you to think about this. Uh, what, what has been written and understood about Hitler? Well, that he was a murderer, one of the most horrendous anti-Semite racists the world has ever seen, and a murderer, a mass murderer. What, was what could be written about Mussolini, or Napoleon, or... Abraham Lincoln, or George Washington, or George Washington Carver, or Rosa Parks, or uh, Martin Luther King Jr. What? We know what's been written about them, so we have that idea. So, so my point on all of that is, they left a legacy, something that we could remember them by then and know them by. They left an inheritance for their children and their grandchildren, far beyond just money, wealth, or or you know, things. Uh, they left something that they could be proud of, that their grandchildren would say, that was my granddaddy. That was my grandma. And, you know, and so there was something that they could aspire to and grow up into. Now, why is that so important? Because what we are living here in this, or seeing, I should say, in our world today is a whole bunch of people that are going to leave a terrible legacy and a terrible inheritance for the grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Um, again, I'm not talking about finances per se right now. I just use money because everybody understands money, but the idea or the concept of money, you know, an inheritance such as wealth or money or substance can be easily translated into other things as well because the principles are the same. Um, so I want you to think about this. Let's get back to the Jojo who is a couch potato or just somebody that just maybe he's not quite a couch potato. He goes to work, he does his thing, but he doesn't rock the boat, doesn't get his name out there because he just wants to get by. You know, he's mediocre and just likes it that way, wants to stay that way, you know. Um, and so often those are the types of people that don't take much responsibility for the world around them. They might take responsibility for their little sliver of the world, but they don't take responsibility with anything else or for anybody else. They just want to be left alone. What kind of legacy is that? What kind of inheritance is that? In other words, your children and, and even more, your grandchildren or great-grandchildren, how is that going to inspire any kind of uh, familial pride? You know, um, let me tell you just from my own world in my own life. <clears throat> my um, grandfather was an ordained minister. I'm, I'm in the ministry right now, preach, teach, do all this stuff. My grandfather was an ordained minister. His father, my great-grandfather, was an ordained minister and did what they used to call brush arbor meetings. He would just roll up in, say, like a farming community or something of that nature, those types of communities, and he didn't need a church building. He didn't need a house. He didn't need these things. He would just roll up, find a tree, with some shade and have church underneath the tree for these people who maybe didn't have a tree. Or I'm sorry, have a tree. Of course they had a tree because he was borrowing it, but didn't have a church or something of that nature. So he would just have church under a tree. He was a brush, brush arbor preacher. My great-great-grandfather was also a preacher. And 
and again would minister and they all were around that uh oklahoma arkansas area um uh, at least my grandfather and great-grandfather i believe it was my great-great-grandfather that came to america and was in the uh pennsylvania area i believe it was and they kind of migrated over to the arkansas oklahoma area at some point but they were all preachers they were all teachers of the gospel and they were all about helping people and that's uh i didn't get any money from them i didn't get any uh financial inheritance from them because none of them were what i would say extremely wealthy they were all business people but it was more like small business construction primarily but they were preachers that inheritance is mine it was passed to me that legacy it's now part of my legacy of who i am and because of that you know uh now i'm a preacher my own kids have all been to uh, bible college raised up in the church love jesus serve god because of that legacy, because of that inheritance. So the question again that I have for you, what, what's the legacy, what's the inheritance you are leaving for your grandchildren your great and your great-grandchildren? What's the inheritance? I hope to God that you're able to you know, leave them some money, some houses, some cash, some cars, a business, things of that nature. But beyond that, what's the real true inheritance, that culture-changing, society-changing inheritance that you're leaving them? Melancholy? couch potato or go-getter let's take some uh, responsibility and even those who aren't taking responsibility for themselves number one let's be a good example for them but let's push them to take responsibility for, for their for their lives and their actions you know i was part of this um this event called the the summit with tp uh, turning point usa charlie kirk called the summit it's a men's uh ministry if you will and one of the things that we were told over and over and over while we're going through this uh, process was men do hard things. Men do hard things. And that was pressed into us. That if, if, you're, if you think being a man, you're going to have such a soft, easy life. Well, guess again, Skippy. No, men do hard things. And what I have found, and it kind of sickens me, is there's a lot of uh, men in general, but especially our young men, you know, like that high school, junior high, or not junior high, but a college age level right now, they want everything handed to them. They don't want to work hard. More and more and more on social media, I see these groups pop, pop, popping up about how they want the minimum wage increased so that they can just go get a job, maybe flipping burgers, and have a what they call a living wage and be able to raise a family of four, buy a house, buy a car all of that on their first job. That should be their introductory job into the work world. That shouldn't be a career job. That should be the job that they go to get some uh, real world experience so that they can get a better job and then get some more experience and then go get a better job until they land into the career that they have prepared themselves for. But you see, uh, more and more and more, they don't want the process. So guess what the legacy is that they're leaving for their children and their grandchildren and what they're attaching to their family name, laziness. And some of them will go as far as to just call it for what it is. We want socialism. We want communism. We want Marxism. We want an ism that will pay me money for doing as little as possible. They don't care what the ism is. Socialism, Marxism, communism, lazyism, whatever it is. So think about it, ladies and gentlemen, for just a moment. 
That's the legacy that is now attached to their name and because of that to their family name. I used to tell my kids all the time that, um, that the family name is far more important than you understand and realize because I didn't really realize it as I was growing up because nobody ever told me this. But we should live in such a way that brings great honor to our family name so that when that name is spoken, even if it's 50 years from now, oh yeah, I've heard of those Enosis. They are awesome people. They are powerful people. They are right on people. They did this, 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 and this. And there's a memory. There's a history attached to that family name that my children and my great-grandchildren, my grandchildren, all will enjoy and it will give them something to aspire to and live up to. So, I, of course, I do want to leave my children and my grandchildren a financial inheritance, but if I'm not able to leave a dime, if I can leave them with that sense of take responsibility for yourself, take responsibility for your community, take responsibility for the local politics, the state politics, and even the federal politics. Take responsibility for what's going on in the world around you. Because if those people aren't going to straighten it up, you take responsibility and you do what you can do to straighten it up. Let your voice be heard. Let your, let your strength and your energy be expended turning what is wrong into something right. Turning something that is evil into something righteous. And if you can live that way, wow, what a powerful inheritance and legacy we can leave for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and what a powerful legacy will be attached to the family name. You do that for four, five, six, or many more generations, and what, I mean, how powerful is that? Can you imagine maybe a hundred years from now if my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and so on still have that heart to attach greatness to the family name. Just how powerful the Enos name would be. And it's not just my family, that could be your family as well. But it's unfortunate when you have what's attached to the um, you know, Adolf Hitler name. Well, wickedness, evil, unrighteousness. And that might not even be his children or his grandchildren, but they're having to swim through the garbage, the garbage legacy left to them by what would be what great, grandfather, a great-great-grandfather now, you know? So all the Hitlers after them, by the way, that was the last name. So all the Hitlers after Adolf Hitler still have to deal with the wickedness that he brought on the family name. And, and, and we could even bring that more home. How many families, you know, how many children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren have had to swim through the murk and the muck attached to their name because of some alcoholic that was in the family, alcoholic grandfather or great-grandfather? Or what about um, child molester, pedophile grandfather or great-grandfather? Or it could be anything, drug dealer or drug addict, you know, uh, or just a lazy bum. Great poverty in the family, even though one of the grandchildren or great-grandchildren could have broke through, or even the children broke through and become extremely wealthy. They still have attached to their name, bum grandpa, who didn't want to get off the couch and was too lazy to take responsibility for himself and his family. They lived in great squalor and, and uh, poverty simply because he was too lazy to get a job or he found a low paying job and refused to move up the ladder, re refused to make himself more marketable. And that's what we're seeing a lot in this world today, that a lot of people just don't want to work to make themselves more marketable. They demand that everybody pay them more money 
even though they're not making themselves worthy of more money. And what are they attaching to the family name? That's their legacy. Not taking responsibility, not rising up, not standing up, not doing what what needs to be done. Being too soft as a man often to work hard and do hard things to overcome, if not for themselves, for their children, for their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Now, this gets me to something that I just kind of picked up on here and I opened it up to Daily Wire and this um, article jumped out at me that I want to share with you. <clears throat> and it says this. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because it's attached to a picture of Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe Biden stepping off of Air, Air Force One and he's literally in the doorway of the airplane about to come down the, uh, the stairs onto the tarmac. And it says this. <clears throat> A third of student debt holders spend extra money they thought would be wiped clean. Dot, dot, poll. And this has been by Ben Whitehead, July 12th, 2023. So today's July 12th. So this is a brand new fresh article off the press. Now, if you're wondering what that means, if you remember for a long time, it had become a political issue about this student loan debt because there's so much student loan debt and a lot of people that are in debt with their student loans are complaining, saying, we can't pay it back. It's too expensive. We've got too much debt. I've got this piece of paper that says I went through college. I jumped through your hoops, tried to go out and get a job, and I can't find a decent paying job. You know, well, that's what you get when you when you um, take classes and get a degree in basket weaving or genders study. I just saw yesterday, and I, I read this some time ago, but yesterday I, I saw another article that talked about how w at least one college is offering a class on Taylor Swift and her music. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that, that you have to pay lots of money to go to a major educational institution and pay lots of money so people will take out a loan to pay for this course that will teach them about Taylor Swift and her music. And then they wonder why these young people, they graduate college, they walk the stage, they got the flat hat and the long robe and that little scroll and they're yelling, Woohoo! Look at me! I graduated with this piece of paper and this flat hat and I'm going to go get a job and then the employee, the, their potential employer that is offering a job for, I don't know, you know, anywhere from 60 to $120,000 a year, looks at them sitting across the table. So what are your credentials? What have you learned? Tell me, show me that piece of paper. Oh, you got a degree in Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, we do have a job opening for you, but it's janitorial. You'll be scrubbing toilets for the first two years for $30,000. And in dismay, that person sitting across the table thinking they're going to get that $90,000 to $100,000 a year job is going, uh, that won't even pay off my student loans. And the potential employer looks at them with a kind of a grin and says, you should have thought that through. You should have thought that through. See, that's the kind of person that's going to want to rise up and say, Joe Biden, remove my student loan debt. I can't pay this off. Why? Why can't I get a decent job with my degree in Taylor Swift? 
ism. <laughs> we need socialism or Taylor Swift ism. We need some type of ism that, so I don't have to take responsibility of my own foolish actions. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of these people that are crying for um, the removal, the eradication of student loan debt, and the people that are standing with them saying, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we need to get rid of this, the politicians and the media people. I hear over and over and over, well, these were young people. They didn't know what they were getting into. You know, um, there was a few in my life really stupid decisions that I made. Admittedly, I know, I know. How can that be? Me, of all people, me, of all people making a stupid decision. Well, yes, ladies and gentlemen, because at one point I was young and stupid. Now some people will go, well, now you're just old and stupid. Eh, be that as it may, I was young and stupid and I made a lot of foolish mistakes. There was things that I did and I had to pay for them. Okay, you know, whether it be like, I thought I can drive as fast as I want and never get a ticket. Boo! And then there it is, the red and blue lights behind me. Uh, young man, do you know, realize how fast you were going? Uh, no, no, officer, uh, I don't. Um, uh, 35? Yeah, 35 miles an hour over the speed limit. Here's a ticket. Okay, thinking it's no big deal until I saw how much it would cost to pay that off. But I paid it. Now, I understand traffic tickets are so much cheaper than student loan debt, but nonetheless, I got the ticket, I paid for it. You took out the loan you pay for it. It's understood that this is one of those things you can never claim bankruptcy on. You can never renege on paying it. You have to pay this back. So um, number one, the one of the legacies that we should teach our young people is, okay, number one, you want your children and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren to look at you and say, wow, my dad, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was brilliant when it came to these things. He didn't pick some stupid Taylor Swift class to go to. He picked a subject that when he got out of college, he could go find a great job that not only would help him pay off his student debt, but he had enough money to buy a house, buy two cars, and put his his family through college and give them a great life. That's what we want to leave for our children. And you know what? Very few of you um, face tattooed, face pierced, purple haired, young people are ever going to do that because that's not just not real world and that's not the legacy that if you really stop and think about it i'm sure that that's not the legacy you really want to leave for your children grandchildren great-grandchildren and some of you yes i do well then that's even more foolish than i thought but nonetheless let's go on because i want to read you this article because it's really interesting you guys you're gonna you're gonna find something interesting 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 about the mentality of these people that wanted their debt to be just wiped out and who would pay for it? The rest of us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, why should anybody ask me to pay off even a portion, a fraction of somebody else's student loan debt when I never in a million years would have, whether I took out a loan or not, paid money for a Taylor Swift credential? <laughs> I mean, I would never take the basket weaving class. I would never take gender studies. I would never take any of these foolish, idiotic courses to begin with. So if I would never take them and I find them foolish and I find them silly, a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of brain cells, why in God's green earth would I ever agree to paying for somebody else's education that I found worthless to begin with? 
Because if I saw that there was any kind of real world worth in these courses, these classes, and the credentials that come with them, I would have paid the money and went and, and taken those classes by myself and for myself. But it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a brain, waste of brain cells. And don't ask me to pay for your foolish mistakes if you actually made those mistakes. And I know there's a lot of people right now getting upset because they want their student loan debt to be paid off. And there's a whole bunch more people that are going, yeah, this doesn't even make sense. So let me, let me read this. It says, roughly a third of Americans with student loans spent money they would not have normally spent because they were confident it would be forgiven under President Joe Biden, according to a new poll. Did you capture that? Roughly a third. So that's about 30, I don't know, 30 to 33% of all the people with student loans spent money. Instead of paying off their loans, they took that money and spent it somewhere else because they thought they were confident that Uncle Joe was just going to wipe out their student loan debt. Ladies and gentlemen, let me let me explain this to you. The, the Supreme Court ruled on this, which I know this is going to be in this article and I'm going to read it to you, but the Supreme Court ruled that that's unconstitutional to basically take out a loan and expect somebody else to pay for it in that regard. So that the president never had that power to do that. Congress doesn't have that power. Nobody has that power to do that. It's unconstitutional. You took out the loan, you pay for it. That's the constitution that we are under and it works and it's right. It would have been wrong, completely wrong to have somebody else pay for your choices. Those are your choices. You pay for them, okay? And everybody in, in uh, politics knew this. It was this dirty little secret because so it's so unfortunate, but so many people do not understand our constitution, doesn't understand how this country runs, or is, I should say, supposed to run. And they knew that if it went up to the Supreme Court, it was going to fail. They absolutely knew this. So you might be asking, no, no, no. Why would they push it then? To capture people's hearts, minds, and votes, even though it was all based on lies. So all of you that say, I wanted my, I expected my loan debts to be paid off, my student loan debts. I want them still to be paid off. I don't think I should have to pay for them. Um, you're that person that the Democrats really love because you are so easily fooled because you may have a, a piece of paper, a doctorate even, maybe a master's, maybe an AA or a BA, and have a lot of loan debt attached to that document and still be uneducated in a real world education. You're not, I, I, I hate to say it like this, but the person that still, uh, I expected my loans to be paid off or I want my loans to be paid off other than by myself. Um, I don't know how else to say this, but you're intellectually foolish. You're educated, but you're, it's an incorrect education. It's not a real world education. It's an education that doesn't work. That leads to all these isms, socialism, Marxism, communism, Taylor Swift-ism, that doesn't really work. In a real world, it doesn't work. None of these things have ever worked where they're tried, but people keep buying into it because, well, unfortunately, it's not very smart. They're, they're educated, but it's a false and incorrect education. They have information, but it's false information. And I hope that's not anybody listening to me. But if it is, I'm just, I'm going to tell you how to get out of this, okay? I'm going to tell you how to get out of this. Put your, your ears real close to the speaker because I'm going to, I'm, this is good. This is gold, ladies and gentlemen. This is gold. I'm going to tell you real briefly, real quickly, how, and it works 100% of the time, 
100% of the time, okay? How to not just get out of your own student debt, how to get relief from it, get out from underneath it, but really how to make life work for you. Are you ready for this? Pay attention. Take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for your choices. Pay off your own debt and go make something of your life. Don't look to a union. Don't look to Uncle Joe. Don't look to anybody in the White House. Don't look to anybody anywhere else. You can do it. You can make it on your own. Don't look to socialism. Don't look to Marxism. Don't look to communism. Don't look to Taylor Swiftism. Go out and make a life for yourself. Work hard and take responsibility for yourself. Continue to make yourself more marketable and the market will end up paying you what you are worth. That was gold, ladies and gentlemen, but there's nothing new there. That's worked for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. People since the dawn of time. Now, I don't know who Dawn is, but apparently she has a watch. So the dawn of time. <laughs> Some of you got that. That's a dad joke. It's worked. It's never stopped working. It will always work, regardless of what's going on in the world around us. Those who take responsibility for themselves and work hard will end up making it. Those who are always looking for somebody else to do it for them, they'll never make it, ever. They're, they're, they're at best, they're mediocre, and mediocre really never comes out on top, ever. So stop being mediocre. Show the world who you really are. Pull your boots up by the bootstraps and make something happen. Anyways, <clears throat> let me continue reading this. This is fascinating stuff, ladies and gentlemen. It says, the poll by intelligent.com surveyed 977 people who would have qualified for at least $10,000 of debt relief under Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, which was struck down by the Supreme Court last month. Of those, one in three said they spent extra money because they were assuming forgiveness with many spending that money on things like get this ladies and gentlemen they spent money on things like vacations retail items even alcohol drugs and gambling now before i <clears throat> read any more i want to point out the obvious so these people again at least a third of these people with student loan debt according to this poll spent what should be sent to pay down their debt. They were spending money on vacations. Now, as much as I like to vacation, that's not a necessity. But getting that student loan debt paid off is. So instead of paying, you know, sending that money to the place that they needed to, they took a vacation. Some of them bought retail items. Now, I don't know, maybe some of those items were a necessity. But my assumption is that they probably were not a necessity because this is extra money that they were paying instead of paying on their student loans. And then still it says some of them even spent that money on alcohol, drugs, and gambling. Alcohol, drugs, and gambling. So if these people that are screaming pay off my student loan debt and demanding that government pay off their student loan debt, which is, there's no such thing as the government. The government doesn't have any of its own money, ladies and gentlemen. It's my money. It's your money that they've robbed from us. So what they're screaming is, hey, politician, hey, Uncle Joe, I took a Taylor Swift class and now I can't get a job. So take the money that you robbed from everybody else and pay off my student loan debt because as much as I like Taylor Swift, she's just not paying my bills. Well, what did you spend that money on then? 
You had some money. What did you spend that money on? Well, you know, I went on vacation, bought alcohol, drugs, and I did some gambling. It's my money. You can't tell me how to spend it. Well, if you're not taking responsibility for your life and you expect other people to do your life and work your life, then yeah, I think somebody somewhere has the right to say something about it. That's why I'm saying something about it. Anyways, let me go on. It says, the Supreme Court decision is a cold shower for those who had their hopes pinned on a $10,000 relief. James Allen, who founded personal finance website bullpen.com, told Intelligent, It's like waiting for a tax refund only to find out the IRS made a mistake. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a whole nother thing for me on a personal level. You know, the tax refunds and all that nonsense. But anyways, let me go on. The poll found that of the borrowers who spent extra with the hope of the debt being wiped clean, 31% spent between $2,500 and $5,000. Okay, so again, ladies and gentlemen, they're they're hoping that at least $10,000 of their debt will be wiped away. So instead of sending money to pay it off, they took that money and 31% of them spent upwards of $5,000, between $2,500 and $5,000 that they should have used to pay down their debt, okay? 27% spent between 1000 and 2500 17% between 5000 and 7500 9% now get this ladies and gentlemen because remember these are just people that were hoping $10,000 would be wiped off of their student loan debt so imagine they they had I'll even put the number at say $50,000 they they owe $50,000 on this student loan debt right they're hoping that the government will come in use our money to bail them out of at least $10,000. So they're going, oh yeah, $10,000 is going to be wiped away, so I'm not even going to send that money in. I'm just going to go spend it on other things. So again, 17% of those people spent upwards of $7,500. 9% spent between $7,500 and $10,000. Now you're at the mark. You're at the mark. So if any of these people, any of them in this spectrum ever complain, I just don't have the money. I almost cursed, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't do that, so I won't do that. So I'll just say, bull crap! You had the money. You spent it on other things. And some of them spend it on alcohol and drugs, gambling, and vacations. Now, the retail items, again, I'm not even really sure. I'm assuming that some of them were needed, but let's face it. If it made it into this report and into this article, they probably weren't needed. And then the article goes on to say, and 5% spent more than $10,000. And it was only just 11% that spent less than $1,000, according to the poll. So I'm going to give a little bit of grace to that 11%. But all of the other ones, no grace at all. Whining and complaining and expecting us to pay for your choices, saying you don't have the money, you can't find a decent job, you don't, you know, how are you going to pay this off? I'll be paying on it for the next 30 years. Well, okay, then pay on it for 30 years. But then they go out and spend even more money than what they would be sending. Because it's not like, uh, it's like paying off a loan. You don't pay it in chunks of, you know, unless it's a huge loan, but I don't think this is the way it works with student loans. You don't pay it in a chunk of $10,000. So it wasn't like these guys just took one payment and spent it somewhere else. Now they're one payment behind. Some of these people spent upwards of what they would have actually had it wiped out had Uncle Joe got his way. Does that even make sense, ladies and gentlemen? That they're spending it on their own lusts? 
their own passions, and their own unfruitful drives and expect you and I to pick up their tab. Don't worry. I'll spend my money on just having fun. Alcohol, drugs, and gambling. Oh, I might take a vacation and buy some retail items while I'm at it. You pay for my bill. You pay for my education. You pay for those Taylor Swift classes. You pay because I don't want to. Do you see what I'm talking about? How one of the first things we should be telling and teaching our young people, not only in the home, but it should be in the church, should be in the schools, K through 12. It should be in colleges, should be in university, should be plastered on billboards everywhere in the United States of America, reinforcing this idea of taking responsibility for your own actions, your own life, and paying for your own choices and not expecting other people to pay for your choices. How is it that we've made those kinds of, we, we, we've produced that in our young people? Because, you know, my generation, we, we were taking responsibility for ourselves, but let me tell you where it really came from. I can't even blame the younger generation fully. It came from my generation, to be honest with you. And those of you that are my age, I'm 56. So those of you who are the, you know, between say 40-ish and 60-ish, it's our fault. And we have to take responsibility for this. It's our fault that our children and even our grandchildren have grown up with their hand out expecting everybody else to take care of them. Why? Because it was my generation. It was my generation that put a cell phone in our children's hands when they're far too young to appreciate it and have a, a sense of what it is to be responsible for that said cell phone. It's our generation <clears throat> that raised our children on um, television. Now, don't get me wrong. When I was a kid, I had television. But television was not my nanny. And many of our children had television as nannies. Why? Because dad was out working nine to 10 hours a day, five days a week. Mom was out working five to 10 hours a Uh, I'm sorry, eight to 10 hours, five days a week. Kids often, when they were younger, went to a babysitter, all right? Babysitters, especially if it's a daycare center, they have 30 kids with one teacher. There's no time. There's no direct attention. So what, what, what did those babysitters do? Basically, just keep those kids busy to keep them out of their hair. Computers, iPads, telephones, television, long naps, those types of things. Then when the kids got a little bit older, oh, we don't need to keep spending this money uh, on daycare. You're old enough to come home and take care of yourself by yourself. And then we had this term latchkey kids. That was kids who were coming home to an empty house, no adult supervision. Mom and dad both are out working, trying to get a good life. And the excuse that they were saying is, well, I want to provide my child with all the good stuff. Well, the best thing that you can provide a child is your love, your support, your attention, your presence. And my generation failed their children in that. My generation failed their children. And now we're seeing the results of that. Kids that were grown, grew, grew up on, on video games. And I'm not opposed to video games. You know, I even like playing a video game every now and then. But every now and then, I wasn't raised upon them, and I didn't fully raise my children on them. We had video games in the house, but we were all so busy. The video game was like a treat. We didn't live on dessert. We had dessert after everything else was taken care of. Video games and and those types of things were desserts. And my kids are well-rounded and take responsibility for their life and their world. And they're paying off their student loan debt. They're making life happen. But I can't say that for all the parents. I can't say that for everyone. 
in my generation. We raised some pretty crappy kids, ladies and gentlemen. And if that offends you, well, I am sorry that it offends you because I don't purposely try to offend people. But if it does offend you and you look at your kid, well, if it offends you, it's probably because it hit, struck a nerve in you. And you know I'm being, I'm true and I'm right. But instead of taking responsibility, agreeing with it and adjusting yourself, you're going to blame me, turn me off and say I'm offensive. That's usually how offense usually works. Most, I'm not going to say all offense, but most offense is truth that people don't want to hear. So we raise up all these crappy kids and I'm not saying you personally necessarily, but let's just look out there that have their hand out that, that actually think spending money of student loan on Taylor Swift, um, subjects in college of all things you know that that sounds like something you would learn in kindergarten come on ladies let, come on boys and girls we're going to sit around and listen to a taylor swift song and talk about it you know that that might be cool when you're five or six years old but when you are 20 years old and that is something that's celebrated that's moronic that's so detrimental to our culture and our world and that's what we're turning out well, mom and dad, where did your children get that? Where did they get it? Well, they got it from you. No, they didn't get it from me. They must have got it from school. Who sent them to that school? You did. Who was responsible for them? You are. Take responsibility. That's what this whole podcast is about. Taking responsibility. Not just the kids who are screaming for debt relief from their student loans, but the parents, the grandparents, and even the younger people that aren't yet there. Yes, okay, rule number one, take responsibility. Quit blaming other people. Let me fix what I broke. Anyways, let me go on. Let me go on because this is not a long article at all, but I'm making it long, longer than I should, of course. Anyways, it says, as for what they were spending that money on, the poll found that most respondents who said they spent extra cash did so on retail items at 44%. So 44% of all the people in that poll said they bought retail items. The second most common expense was paying off other debts, which 30% of respondents said they did. Other expenses included home and auto payments, uh, childcare, down payments on vehicles and homes. Uh, see, Do you see how they were banking on this money being wiped out, which was unconstitutional. Anybody that knew anything about anything knew that would not fly. Okay, so they had these false hopes. Again, their fault. But we were told by the government, <laughs> yes, exactly. You were told by the government and you believed them. You're at fault. You're at fault, Skippy. Anyways, let me go on. Let me don't get off. Get my blood pressure up. So um, 37%, uh, they paid off other bills and stuff. Child care, down payments on vehicles and homes and all that good stuff. So they're out buying cars when they should have been paying off their student loan, loan debt. <clears throat> About 20% of respondents said they spent that extra money on vacation. So 20%, 20 out of 100, spent extra money on vacations. The poll found while 8% used it for alcohol or drugs, so for every 100 person, eight of them bought extra alcohol and drugs, 7% used it for gambling. So put eight and seven together, that's 15%. Used it for alcohol, drugs, gambling. Three things that absolutely nobody needs to spend money on at any time. They were indulging themselves. They were indulging themselves when they should have been paying off their bill. Hoping that Uncle Joe could pass a law and force you and I to pay for these alcoholic, drug addict, gambling nuts who took all of this loan debt, student loan debt out 
and now don't want to pay for it. Why should you and I get stuck for that? Those aren't even my children. That's not even my children. Now, let me say this. Let me go on with this. Over half of borrowers now say they don't feel prepared once student loan debt repayment starts back up in October, with 35% saying they're very unprepared, 23% saying they're somewhat unprepared. <clears throat> Over a quarter of respondents also claimed they might refuse to pay the 10000 that would have been forgiven under the president's plan. So now you have, it says over a quarter, so over 25%, 25 out of every 100 that have that student loan debt are saying, we're going to refuse to pay it. We're going to refuse to pay that $10,000 that should have been wiped away. Um, um, you know, I remember in history... <clears throat> history class, learning that, especially in Great Britain, but I believe they had it here in the United States of America, they had debtor's prison, that you could go to prison until you paid off that debt. Now, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe they should reopen some debtor prisons or some type of forced um, payment plan until that student loan debt is paid off. I don't like that because I don't like the government in my pocket at all. Yet at the same time, if you're like me and you don't like the government in your pocket, the number one thing, first thing you do to keep the government out of your pocket is you keep the government out of your pocket. You don't take out the debt, the loan in the first place. But if you feel you had to or if you already did and it's too late, well, you're stuck with it now. Pay it off. People, I've heard people say, I'll never be able to pay this off. Wait a minute. Many people have a loan debt upwards of $100,000. I mean, that's ridiculous to me. How many Taylor Swift classes did that person have to take to get that, you know, far in debt? But nonetheless, let's say $100,000. You can pay that off. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying you won't pay on it for a long time, but you can pay it off. You know, if you, if you can go out and buy a house, you know, not if, many of you are paying on homes that are $300,000 plus, okay? And you have a 30-year mortgage, where if you keep paying on it, you'll pay it off in 30 years. Well, if you have a $300,000 house and $100,000 in student loan debt, that student loan debt is a third of what your house cost you. What you should have done is taken the time to pay off the debt first, then go buy a house. Well, 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 you can't, you, no, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what you should have done. Get rid of that first and foremost. That's your number one goal. When you get out of college, get out of university, and you've got your Taylor Swift uh, degree, go out and get a job and pay off, not just pay down, pay off your student loan debt, and don't even expect anybody else to come along and help you at any point or any time. And if you make it a priority, it's just like any other debt, you'll find out that you will find creative ways to pay that off faster than you initially thought. Because that's the way the real world works. When you take responsibility for the decisions you have made and the choices you have made. Let me finish this because I'm almost done. Last month, the Supreme Court struck down Biden's loan, Biden's loan forgiveness plan in a 6-3 decision saying the secretary asserts that the HEROES Act grants him the authority to cancel $430 billion of student loan principal. It does not. We hold today that the act allows the secretary to waive or modify existing statutory or regulatory provisions applicable to financial assistance programs under the Education Act not to rewrite that statute from the ground up. According to the White House fact sheet from August, <clears throat> from August 26 million Americans had applied or were eligible automatically for debt relief 
which applied to people who make less, listen to this ladies and gentlemen, that make less than $125,000 or couples who make less than $250,000, up to $20,000 would have been forgiven for Americans who received Pell Grants. The Congressional Budget Office estimated the plan had a price tag of roughly $400 billion. So if I'm understanding these numbers right and what they're saying, is that the uh, Uncle Joe Biden wanted to erase roughly, now roughly within, I don't know, a few billion dollars, $400 billion in student loan debt, okay? I want you to think about that. That's almost, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost half a trillion dollars, okay? So roughly 400 billion. That's, I mean, the number is staggering when you stop and think about it, that we have that kind of student loan death De death debt in america right now at the price to and it goes over that that was just that was just the people that qualify that was the number roughly 400 billion uh for the people that qualify for that debt relief well where was that money supposed to come from well of course you and i but if they did it all in one shot is there a pot somewhere with 400 billion laying around that they could just pull out of it no this would have been intact or attached to the overall debt this country owes, which you and I are already paying on. And look at these numbers. This, if he got his way, and this was okayed, and this was passed, and the Supreme Court said, yeah, go for it. You can do this. It, it would apply to people, an individual who has student loan debt that earns $125,000 or less, or a couple at $250,000 or less. So I want you to put that in perspective. You have somebody who's earning, uh, again, let's say $100,000 that doesn't want to pay their student loan debt back. I find that amazing. Now, I'm not saying everybody that wants their student loan pay off um, makes that kind of money. But look at the numbers that Joe Biden's White House has established to be eligible to have some of your debt relieved by the American people, upwards, totally, of course, $400 billion for people that earn $125,000 can still um, qualify or a couple earning $250,000. Does that even make sense, ladies and gentlemen? I don't make that kind of money. I'm 56 years old. I've been in this for 56 years. I don't make that kind of money. When I take out a loan, I pay for it. When I, when I sign my name to it, I just know this. I'm going to pay for it. Have I made some mistakes? Oh, absolutely. But if I was making $125,000, I wouldn't even think, I wouldn't think of having any part of my student loan paid off, my debt paid off by somebody else because I would fully recognize and realize that at $125,000 or a quarter of a million for me and my wife, we can certainly afford to pay off. Not just pay down, but pay off our student loan debt. This doesn't even make sense to me, ladies and gentlemen. And yet some, again, not all of you, so please don't misunderstand me, but some of you listening to my voice right now on this extraordinary podcast are, are, are guilty of wanting, not just desiring like, oh, it would be cool if somebody came and paid it off. I mean, really pushing or not paying what you should have been paying and spending the money somewhere else. Some of you are guilty of that, expecting that somebody else come along and pay off your bills. Not taking responsibility for the choices you've made. Some of you are guilty of that. And some of you that are guilty of it 
certainly making enough money to pay off your own debt and you're still wanting somebody else to do it. I don't, I don't, that doesn't even register with me. It's, it's completely foreign to me. And that's not what's made this country or any group of people great. What makes a group of people great is when they take responsibility for themselves and they work on leaving a legacy and attaching something great to their family name so that their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren and beyond have something profound to be pro proud of, something great to be proud of. And what are we doing? We're telling not only the people of our generation, but future generations, I'm lazy. I don't take responsibility. I am not going to stand up and, at least for the males, be a man and take control of my life. I'm going to blame other people and expect them to do the work I should be doing? That's the legacy that many of us are leaving. And to me, that is sad. That is sad. That's not what men do. Men do hard things. Men rise up to the challenge and do hard things. And if paying off that student loan debt is, seems hard to you, great, do it. And when it's all paid off, you've proven to yourself and the world around you that you can make it, that you are a man, or in some cases, you're a woman that can make things happen. So rise up, get busy, and go take on the world, change the world. And how do you do that? Simply by taking responsibility of your own life and your own actions. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to leave you with this. Live for your funeral. What will they say about you? Thank you for choosing Table Flippers Podcast. To find our merchandise page, go to gwcclancaster.org. Then find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and it'll take you right there. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Say goodbye, Chippy.